Ahoy hoy, all you delightful little ragamuffins. I'm John Miller, and thank you once again for joining me right here on the Everybody Trades Podcast. And today on the show, I want to talk about, well, frankly, what everyone has been talking about in the financial world for the past week or so, and that's inflation, which is a topic that maybe at first glance, if you're not the most economically minded person, you think, oh man, this is going to be some boring esoteric crap, isn't it? Well, let me tell you something, folks. This topic affects all of us, and I'm not going to spend this episode getting into a lot of theory and Fed speak or any of that kind of stuff. No, it's going to be much more brass tacks than that. I want to answer the question, is inflation real? Has it happened since 2008? And to what extent? And the reason for that is because, well, this past week on CNBC, There was an interesting segment that kind of popped out of nowhere that was very much impromptu because while Scott Wapner and Jim Cramer were on the news desk, they were talking about the Fed. The Federal Reserve had actually pretty sharply increased its inflation forecasts for the year. Previously, the central bank had seen 2.5% or 2.4%, I should say, to be more specific, of inflation for the coming year, but they've actually upped it now to 3.4%, a full 1% point gain there. That's not insignificant whatsoever. Now, again, on CNBC, Squawk on the Street, Scott Wapner, Jim Cramer, they start having a conversation about all this and what it means, and Wapner sort of offhandedly mentions that, well, the hyperinflation that was predicted by some in 2008, that hasn't come to pass. And then you hear Rick Santelli, who clearly doesn't know that his microphone is hot, and you hear him say something like, oh, God, give me a break, you know, that kind of thing. Clearly he disagrees, which causes Wapner to stop and go, oh, hi, Rick, didn't realize you were still on air. And then they get into a a somewhat heated debate about the entire topic. Jim Cramer at one point tries to intervene and be peacemaker. Well, Santelli didn't want to didn't want to hear it. He didn't he wasn't wanting any part of Jim's peacemaking whatsoever. And honestly, normally I would play that clip for you on this show, but I didn't I didn't think actually Santelli handled himself necessarily all that great in that moment. And if you're CNBC, if you're If you're a Keynesian economic type who wants everybody to think, hey, what the Federal Reserve's doing, it's all dandy and nothing to see here, you probably thought that moment actually went great. Because I didn't think Santelli really made a strong argument for what he was trying to say. But to be fair to Rick, you got to understand something. Again, he is the one person for all intents and purposes. He is a lone voice who is speaking out against everything that happened in the 2008 financial crisis, when indeed the federal government through the Federal Reserve was printing trillions and trillions of dollars, using it to buy their own government bonds and this sort of weirdness. Again, I don't want to get too far into the weeds here. The point is, since 2008, if you saw a chart that showed the money supply, you would see a massive, massive spike upwards. And a lot of people like Rick Santelli and, candidly, people like myself thought, oh, no, my goodness, if we have this much of a spike, well, there's going to be a massive spike in prices of goods as well. But people like Scott Wapner will now say, well, you guys were wrong because there wasn't – yes, there was this huge spike in the money, 
but the price of goods didn't spike that much. So guess what? You will all, you are all wrong. We'll just dismiss you now because, hey, it's been 13 years and there hasn't been this massive spike in prices. But, of course, there's a massive problem with all of that. You see, even when the Federal Reserve admits that inflation is going to be going up, according to their own models, by 1% their expectations are for this coming year, well, guess what? They're the ones who make up the data. For all intents and purposes, the Federal Reserve and the Treasury Department and all these people, they provide economic data that is convenient to them. For instance, the CPI, which is basically what everybody on CNBC reports is the inflation data. Well, a few years ago, it may have been decades ago at this point, I'm actually forgetting exactly when that would be, but they removed energy from the equation, from from the core price inflation index. Well, I'm sorry, you can't take you can take energy out of the CPI, but you can't take energy out of people's lives. People in America have to consume energy. That's just simply our reality in this in this life that we live. Well, you look at energy prices, the average kilowatt per hour that Americans have been paying, it obviously had a major jump post 9/11 for all kinds of re- of reasons that are not entirely related to the Federal Reserve, but guess what? 2008 on, we've still seen a somewhat about 10% rise, again, according to the government's own data, according to the EIA's own data, we've seen the kilowatts per hour rise by some 10% since 2008. So why doesn't that count? Why doesn't a 10% rise in energy costs count for inflation? Well, because that would make their numbers look bad, wouldn't it? That would actually make Rick Santelli look right, and God knows we can't have that ever happen anywhere on CNBC. There's also this, in, this assumption by the Keynesian types, by the CNBC types, by virtually everyone in the United States federal government, that a 2% annual inflation rate is considered good and acceptable. Well, I would say, how about 1%? How about 0%? Then, the, then my wages, my savings, well, then they'd go even farther, wouldn't they? Now, indeed, I'm sure that some predictions, especially when you go back to 2008, I'm sure some predictions of quote-unquote hyperinflation were overblown, no doubt about it. Now, I don't know about Rick Santelli specifically. But again, let's look. I actually took the liberty of, believe it or not, yes, I went to a library in the year 2021. That's a thing that people still occasionally do. And even more old school, I got into the microfilm. And I like taking the occasional microfilm deep dive, not only to look at the headlines, find out what the nation was thinking at the time, what the media establishment was putting out there, but also to look at the ads, because you get to see how much things cost back in the day. Well, in this case, I went back to January of 2007, looked at a Columbia Tribune, my local newspaper, and said, hey, let's see what stuff cost back then. So... For example, a fresh whole chicken at Gerbs was on sale for 47 cents a pound. Well, today at High V, I typed that into their website, a fresh whole chicken also on sale for $2 a pound. So that fresh whole chicken is now four times what it would have cost in 2008. That's just one example 
of how much food has gone up in the last 13 years. I think we've all noticed if you bought milk lately, and I buy quite a bit of milk for my young daughter lately, milk nearly $5 a gallon right now. I don't know what exactly it cost in 2008. I didn't get a milk ad in the newspaper, didn't have a flyer, but I think we all know that nearly $5 a gallon didn't cost that back in 2008, did it? How about the cost of health care? Has that gone up or down since 2008? Your health insurance. How about a procedure that you paid for out of pocket? Does that seem like that's getting cheaper? How about college, tuition? I think we all know that's going up massively with every passing decade. Oh, here's an interesting ad in the Tribune. Hey, a premier bank here in town was offering a nine-month CD with a 5.25% APY. In other words, hey, you could get over 5% on your money just by putting it in the bank for a year. Hey, When was the last time you could do that? Well, it's been since 2008 or 9 since you could do something like that because, well, thanks to the Federal Reserve, interest rates have been artificially low for this entire time. Now, how about how do we get around? Does that seem like that's something important for people? Is transportation important? Well, I know a lot of small business owners, guys who mow lawns, landscapers, you're in construction, Their weapon of choice is the Ford F-150, and in fact, I believe the Ford F-150 is the best-selling vehicle in America today. Well, back in the day, according to autotrader.com, you could buy a 2008 new, brand-new F-150, the manufacturer's suggested retail price back then, just under $18,000 on the low end. Now, you could go up to $40,000 on the high end, of the MSRP, but let's focus on just the low end. Now in 2021, the cheapest F-150 you can get brand new is $29,000. Now again, I'll grant you that trucks have come a long way in the last 10 years. I'm a truck owner myself, and they've, they're a lot more comfortable than they used to be. Got all the bells and whistles, all that good stuff. But again, I'm focusing on the entry-level F-150 here. So to go from just under $18,000 on your low-end F-150 brand new to up to $29,000 now, that is a massive increase of, what, about 50% or something like that? You're going to tell me that doesn't count for inflation because that is absolutely a result of what we've been doing for the past decade plus. And then for my final example, and this is personally a painful one for me, Housing. What was the entire thing about to most people, right? It was the the housing crisis, the housing collapse. Well, what's happened since then? Housing prices have certainly recovered, haven't they? And the reason I say this is painful for me is because I, as some of you are aware, definitely had one of the worst real estate transactions in recent American history, for sure. When I was 23 years old, I purchased a modest home in the middle of Columbia, Missouri, right in the heart of the city, for about $110,000. This was in 2006. Well, fortunately, I got a job in Chicago a year later, a good opportunity to go trade up there. But unfortunately, that was a rough time to sell a house. So I eventually ended up selling that baby for $75,000. Yes, taking quite the bath. Well, I happened to look up That house still exists, of course. Looked it up on Zillow the other day. The estimate for that house, 
on the low end, $142,000. So my house has doubled in price in about 12 years, if you believe if you believe the low end Zillow estimate there. And even on the high end, $175K, that's pretty shocking. And let me tell you something, that is a modest home, people. I only lived there for about 10 months or so. The house got broken into, not exactly the safest, most desirable neighborhood in Columbia. It has no garage, an unfinished basement, about, I don't know, 1,500 square feet or something. Just saying, it was a nice starter home for a 23-year-old kid, don't get me wrong, but for a young family or something like that, would it not have been, or any young person, another 23-year-old like myself, well, they're not going to be able to get that place for 75 k or even 110 k like I did back in the day. No, it's going to be 142 to maybe 175. Now again, the fact that the Federal Reserve does not include any of this in their inflation data, do you think that that's accurate on their part? Or do you think maybe it's convenient on their part? Now, I'm not going to make any grand predictions or dire warnings about future inflation necessarily in terms of asset prices or just in terms of goods, energy, food, any of that stuff because, well, predicting the price of food, that's not really my game. That's not, I'm, I'm not an expert in that area. And frankly, anytime you start looking years and years into the future, well, the harder it gets to make accurate predictions. But one thing I can predict quite confidently is that the Federal Reserve is never going to back away from this. This idea that they're going to normalize interest rates and all of this stuff and, or normalize the money supply, I just don't see it ever happening. My uncle, John Hall, who writes theamericanthinker.com, lewrockwell.com, he said in one of his recent pieces that he would like to think that the Fed and Congress could pull back from the brink and save our currency. Now, my uncle is more of a conservative-type, politically-minded guy than I am. I'm much more, of course, hardcore, liberty-minded. I, I believe both sides are authoritarians. That, that's where I come from. But, you know, as a conservative, John has more faith in our big institutions, like the, even the Federal Reserve. I just personally don't see that happening. For as much as the Fed talks about, hey, you never know, in 2023, 2024, we might, we might raise rates. Hey, we see, we see inflation coming. We'll have to do something eventually. The problem is our entire society is now based on debt. Not just, not just the government, by the way. Gosh, half the people we see we see stories all the time about how half the people in the country don't have $1,000 for a rainy day or, or just any type of real savings is the point. So if, all of, if most of corporate America is based on debt and small businesses are based on debt and certainly our banking system is based on debt, certainly the federal government and the local governments and state governments – it's just debt city out there, folks. So the idea that we can just, hey, we can get back to normal, just raise interest rates, I just don't see it happening. I really don't see a scenario where that happens. Now, eventually, there's going to be reality always wins. Reality is always in the long term. There's going to be a huge day of reckoning from this. What exactly that looks like, when it happens, 
no one can really say, but I promise you there is no free lunch in nature, and there certainly is no free lunch in the economy either. So long story short, even though Rick Santelli, I didn't think had, I think he kind of blew it, to be honest, on CNBC. I thought he had an opportunity to shine a light on something that should frankly be talked about every single day on that network over and over again, because it is, in fact, the most important issue we've got going in terms of finance. There's nothing that's more important than that. So I'm glad that there was a little bit of a light shined on it, but end of the day, a missed opportunity by Santelli. But long story short, he is right, though. He's correct. Scott Wapner's wrong. He's simply wrong. And to parse it in terms of, well, it's not hyperinflation, I'm sorry, whether we call it hyper, whether what you call it hyperinflation, there's been some damn inflation. Again, the new NF-150 is up 50%. Your milk is up 100%. You're telling me that we've only had 2% inflation the last, that's absolute madness and these people do not live in the real world. I'm sorry, that's all there is to it. You have to be among the most privileged people who's ever lived to be sitting up on Wall Street and saying, what, there hasn't been any inflation here. Uh, It's just madness to me. And the people who don't see it, well, I feel a little bit sorry for you, to be honest, because you're going to get hit by a truck, by something that you have no idea is coming someday. But with all that being said, with that cheery message out of the way, I think I'm going to wrap up this episode of Everybody Trade. So thank you for being patient as I come out with these fairly irregularly, but you know what? Enough to hopefully wet your beak. So until next time, I am John Miller, and this has been Everybody Trades. Everybody Trades.